3: Hello
0: and welcome to the Unsuckable Podcast. My name is Manuel Feed. Yeah, and got a lot to discuss. Unfortunately, missed the Friday episode. Um, very busy all of us, having interviews, various football stories to cover, and you know, sometimes we just need a break. But we're back. Um, Monday, closing in on Christmas, and yeah um it's the season i guess we have lots to discuss today with the champions league draw the europa league draw champions league draw was so exciting that we had to do it twice so yeah looking forward to this one looking forward to discussing and um yeah let's bring in the guys so adrian Sosa, how's it going buddy it's going well hopefully you know we don't
2: have to end up doing this podcast twice or anything like that we won't pull uefa on you guys just one take one episode and that's it no redos from us
0: are we sure about that?
2: Because you know, we could do it twice. Yeah, we could do it twice. You know, audio issues. There's other things, or just for the fun of it. But I think we'll just stick to once this time at least. Oh, especially
0: because like on oh, the next guy that I'm going to introduce is going to edit it. So yeah, it's maybe let's not let's not mess it up. But Joshua, how's it going, man?
1: I'm doing good. Yeah, I'd appreciate you guys to stay on track today and not uh, not not get this thing out of here. So I don't, I don't have to go over it again. But yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, interesting morning so far going over the Champions League, Europa League draws, but all in all, I'm excited to get back with you guys because we didn't have our Friday episode. No,
0: we didn't, um, but we we got lots to discuss, as I said, and I'm glad you mentioned the Europa League because Filippo, of course, will agree that the Europa League is essentially the, the Copa Libre of Europe, right, Filippo? How's it going, buddy? <laughs>
4: oh, in terms of level overall, maybe. But the Libertadores is definitely much tougher to win. I'll tell you that. Especially twice, right? Palmeiras has just done it. But overall, I'm doing good. And I think Manchester United got lucky that we did have a second draw. I think we would have gotten knocked out by PSG, even though PSG has been, hasn't been as perfect as we expected, right, as good. But I prefer to play Simeone ball, even though it's probably going to be a very boring knockout round
0: for Manchester United. It's history there too, right? Between PSG and Manchester United, that, that famous uh, last sec it was pretty much a last second uh, penalty the last time they met, right? With Kosawa, the handball, Manchester United then knocking out PSG. There's a lot of history between those two. So maybe it's best to avoid it for now, right?
4: Yeah, uh, for now, yes. And I, again, uh, it's just that, you know how we talk about sometimes how the strength of the brand, right? They'll just go a little, mm-hmm. even though PSG loves bottling, knockout rounds so maybe PSG wouldn't be a bad matchup but personally I think uh, Atletico Madrid is just an opponent that Manchester United could go through
0: yeah I mean as we said they had to do this draw twice because of uh technically is technical issues and um then UEFA and, you know I, I'll be honest with you guys I live on the west coast there is no way I'm getting up at uh three o'clock in the morning to watch this draw i could have made the second draw if i knew if i had known that it happened um but i didn't so i got the all you guys' messages adrian in particular adrian um he's like you missed all the drama i was like yeah i did um i had to read up on it so what happened buddy like why did we have to do this twice
2: Basically, there were some issues as far as well. UEFA says that it's the software that they have that determines, you know, who's eligible to be drawn against who, and there were some issues when it came to Atletico Madrid and their draw in that. Manchester United is one of the teams that could have been drawn against. And they were drawn against them when they redid it. Funny how that worked out. Um, but Manchester United wasn't put in the pot the first time around. So <laughs> Atletico were drawn against, I believe it was Bayern. So quite clearly, you know, that's a team that it's worth sort of complaining about. And hey, you know, this, this draw is a sham because we got drawn against one of the best teams in Europe. Um, but I mean, fair enough to them. It was it was clearly a mistake by UEFA. It had those vibes of, what was it? It was the, uh, the Academy Awards when they were like, the winner is... Uh, La La Land. Oh no! Wait, it's Moonlight, and they had that whole mess up, and then they sort of passed the buck on whose fault it is. So it was an interesting morning, but uh, hey,
0: two draws in in one morning—it's it was kind of fun, I guess. I'm I'm still sad. I'm I didn't realize they had to do it again because I would have totally gotten up for the second one. Six o'clock seems a lot more manageable than three, but um, we have a draw. And how are you guys feeling about it? I mean. Filippo Yuri alluded to it Manchester United um got Atletico Madrid now that is maybe in some ways one of the biggest draws of that of that round we also got PSG against Real Madrid Inter against Liverpool um those are probably the games to watch Benfica against Ajax Adrian that's another one um you probably not because you got Real Madrid first and then Ajax That's kind of like, I don't know which one is worse. It's difficult.
2: Uh, Ajax is a team that I think we've all been sort of admiring from afar at this point, just with what Eric Ten Hag is doing with that side and how talented they are, how they've sort of gone through their cycle of losing, you know, Frankie de Jong, Matthijs de Ligt, and Donny van de Beek, etc. And now they're back again. Um, and we saw what they did in the group stage. So when we had Real Madrid, I was not excited. Then we got redrawn. I was hoping for a Lille because that seems like someone that's closer to our level. And then it was Ajax and we saw what Ajax did to sporting in the group stage. And I mean, Josh can speak about Ajax and just how good they have been as well. As he was someone who was clearly watching them very closely, also
1: shots fired. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're man. Ajax is a, is a good side, and I think of, like a lot of people are under the impression of of the big names in in football. And even like three four years ago, I don't I don't know if if anyone said okay, yeah, I'd much rather take the draw against Ajax over Real Madrid, considering Madrid's success in this competition. And I still don't know today if, if, I mean, if I'm Adrian, if I'm a Benfica fan, I feel like I would be more more satisfied with Ajax over Madrid, but Manuel disagrees. So, I mean, it's an interesting debate and we'll have to see if uh, if I'm right or if, uh, if you can find a way through Ajax.
0: Yeah, I find Ajax scarier. Yeah. That's just me. I, I think it's Real Madrid, man. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, that, that's one of those things, right? You can argue it either way, right, Filippo?
4: Maybe they'll play each other eventually and, and then we'll figure it out too. Uh, that could be a metric if they face each other. Uh, Ajax has definitely been outstanding this season, even though they're not leading the Dutch league right now. They're behind PSV, by the way.
0: Yeah, but people don't pay enough attention to the Eredivisie. There was like a bunch of sequence, uh, like a bunch of shots shots fired by the the British media about the level of the Eredivisie. And I think people underestimate that league quite a bit, right, Adrian? Yeah, I think so as well. And I think... You know, basically what I was doing is
2: I was looking through the results and it seems like Ajax is just messing up against the smaller teams. But when you see Ajax versus PSV this season, Ajax destroyed them 5-0. So it's a bit of a confusing one. So they definitely have the capacity to absolutely (laughs) destroy teams, as I was saying. But it sort of seems like a bit of a red herring, the standings currently. And I think that overall, if you look at how Ajax has been playing across the entire season, I mean, PSV is a team that Benfica just managed to slip by. Um, So... That said, you know, we did manage to beat PSV. They are leading the league, but these sort of like direct translations of, well, they're leading the league here and we beat them. You know, those things get messy. You know, it's like, yes, we beat or Italy lost against who was it recently in the Nations League finals or whatever. So I don't know. You know, once you start sort of comparing like this team's better than that team because they beat them here, but they lost to them here. It just gets messy. I think across the grand scale of things. Ajax is a very talented team and I think are more talented than PSV in this moment.
4: I'm interested to see also how Jorge Jesus will do in the Champions League knockout stage now. Uh, Very unpredictable manager. uh, Lots of ups and downs with PSG. Had a hot streak in Flamengo two years ago. A poor season, I guess, with Benfica last year. But Adrian can probably talk about that a little more. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, (laughs) this is just funny to me. So Lille is able to top their group, obviously, because it was... A more balanced and weaker group, to be fair, than many others, and they probably weren't expecting to face the European giant—not giants, uh, okay, giants, I guess—but European champions, Chelsea, right away in the knockout round after topping their group. I don't, I don't think they expected that. Accidental
0: champions, yeah,
4: <laughs> not accidental. They're still the champions, and it's still a very tough. It's definitely not the the weakest second place team they could have
0: faced. No, Chelsea. Thank you. I think that's a tough draw, but um, they've been dropping off a little bit. You know, we we talked on top of the show and before the show about how you're already seeing all the various European leagues crystallizing out, and you kind of can predict now who's going to be champion in all of them, including England, because like once City is at top, who's going to knock them off, right? Because especially now with the the tough schedule that's coming over Christmas, you just know that City because they. They don't buy the most expensive players, but they're the only team in the world that will spend like drop half a billion euros on like a set of defenders, which like no one else in the world can do, right? And that is the sort of depth that you need over Christmas. And you can kind of see already how everyone around him is kind of dropping off a little bit behind City. And Chelsea has been having some issues. I watched a few of their Champions League games and while they've been dominant, um, they like... They just don't seem to really have that rhythm, right? And that's like something that I've kind of seen a little bit with them. What do you think, Adrian?
2: Yeah, and I think I think the most curious thing to add to what you're saying with Chelsea is that the issues that they're having now are their defense. Which typically at the beginning of the season and you know going to last season when they went on that crazy one run to win the Champions League, their defense was always so so solid. And I think they've been conceding an average of like two goals or something like that in their last three four. Matches, so it's a new sort of challenge for Thomas Tuchel to deal with. Because yes, there has been times throughout his tenure at Chelsea where their attack has sort of come and gone, and it's sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And now he has to sort of sort out this defense. So it's a new challenge. Although I will say, in talking about the Premier League and the race there, I think that Liverpool still has a ton to offer, and I think that they're still uh, they're still going to give Manchester City a really, really good run for their money.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, Josh. I, of course, um, when you hear. Defensive problems of Chelsea. We have we know one guy who's going to absolutely cherish playing against them in that, a round of sixteen. That's our boy um, Jonathan David. What do you what do you think of Lille's chances?
1: I mean, like I watch a lot of Lille matches. I I think I've said it a, f- a few times. Like I've, I I watch pretty much everyone because I just I have the stream to watch the Lille matches and I like to keep an eye on Jonathan David and and it's it just to me I, I find a I find it a hard time to believe that they're going to have a chance, even though. Chelsea would have to have a really poor day. Lille have had an up and down season pretty much throughout the entire league on campaign so far. They have had a lot of firepower up front. They got a lot of entertaining players up there. Yilmaz has been okay this season. David's been lights out. The wing play between Akone and Bamba has been fun. But that 4-4-2 system's got a lot of holes in it. And if Chelsea can defend properly, I I think they're going to be able to take advantage of it. Uh, it, It'll depend. They'll have to have a, a really good defensive showing. They'll have to have a few waves that they're gonna have to cover from and hopefully hit it on the tack with some special informed players like Jonathan David but I mean if I'm a betting man I had to put money on it I, I I would have a really hard time to put it, put it on Lil
4: are we gonna do some picks here can we just quickly skim through every game and each one give their pick
0: yeah I think that's a good idea so um Chelsea Lil what do you guys think I would go with Chelsea Chelsea as well
2: yeah, it's 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 not sexy but Chelsea for sure. Yeah, Chelsea.
0: <laughs> okay, and then the next one is PSG against Real Madrid. Whoa. Hmm. Um I would go with That's a tough one. It's the Mbappe <laughs> Derby, isn't it? Yeah, I would I would actually say PSG.
2: I don't know. I th- I think I'm going to go with Real Madrid on this one, not just to be a contrarian, but I just I'm not a huge Ancelotti believer. But when you put a good squad under him, he does improve them. So I'm going
1: to go with Ancelotti to keep this trajectory going. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the fence as well, just because like I, I feel like it it matters more to PSG clearly. Uh, and Madrid are kind of running away with with the title right now in in La Liga. I mean, Sevilla could get a couple back games back, but I mean, instantly looking at it, just knowing how PSG played this year, I put my money on on Madrid, but. I don't know. That's a tough one. It's uh, it's a pretty tough one, but I, I will go with Madrid. I'll go with Adrian.
0: Filippo.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna bandwagon here with Adrian and Josh. I'm gonna go with Real Madrid. Uh they seem more like a team right now. As we do know, PSG has Messi, um, Mbappe. A couple I would say more hyped players or more quality players, whatever it is. I think Real Madrid looks more like a team. They have an informed Vinicius Jr. PSG has an injured Neymar. I don't know. Neymar is out for at least I think six weeks, and you never know, right? It's gonna, mm-hmm. it's getting close to his sister's birthday. You never know what can happen there. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going with Real Madrid for this one.
3: One Don't thing I
2: will say about PSG, though, is that it seems like that Messi and Mbappe partnership is trending in the right direction and Messi starting to, you know, get his feet a little bit more. But it's just that back line that I worry about. And Benzema and Vinicius and either Rodrigo or even Asensio is in form now. So I think that they could really cook that back line. So a lot
0: can happen in two months. but yeah. yeah, a lot can happen in two months. But yeah, let's go to the next one. Inter against Liverpool. And I'm going for Liverpool here
2: yeah I think I would agree with you there I think that Liverpool like we said on an episode last week I believe Liverpool's one of the best sort of attacking sides they've been excellent domestically and in their group so I think that maybe next season Inter under Inzaghi will be a little bit better but this season I gotta go with Liverpool
1: yeah i I'm, I'm agreeing with you I just Inter have been pretty poor consistently over Champions League um, I, they took a big step qualifying out of the group but I, I still think Liverpool's gonna be a little too much for them
4: yeah, the way things are playing out right now, Liverpool's in great form. They've been playing a lot better this season, a bounce-back season from Klopp. And Mo um, Salah has been fantastic. Inter Milan is worse than when they had Conte there. And a couple of mm-hmm. players they lost as well. I'm going to Liverpool for this one as well.
0: Atletico Madrid against Man United. I'm going to go for Atletico Madrid here. They, oh my God,
4: how dare you?
0: Yeah, but come on, man. You know, You know that it is going to happen. They they love playing the English sides in the first round and like kick them out with some black magic. Can so I? I'm going to Atlético.
4: I'm gonna go ahead of them. I'm just gonna say, Man United here. Not gonna use any logic on it. We're just gonna find a way <laughs> to beat Simeone Ball. It's more of a hopeful pick rather than a logical pick. Fair enough. What do mean, you think? Josh. Oh, sorry.
0: You just um, go ahead, guys. Just jump in.
1: <laughs> go ahead, Josh. I stole it. Go ahead. Oh, it's okay. You know, yeah. Nice, polite Canadians allowing each other going first, but I would—I'm uh, going to say Atletico for for a few reasons. One, um, to piss off Filippo just a little bit, and and two, uh, I I just think that they're gritty. I think that they're, in my opinion, they're better coached just because Ragnar's still relatively new, and I think that Ronaldo's going to find a way to lose another Champions League relatively early after his treacherous time with uh, Juve going. I think he he lost in the mm. quarters or round of sixteen for the last two
0: Atletico. Years. <laughs> Yeah, he
1: (laughs) he went out against
2: Lyon in the first try with Juve and then against uh, Porto in the second try or something like that. Ajax, right?
1: Or no? Ajax Uh, Ajax was first, I believe. Ajax was
2: the first try, yeah. You're right, you're right. Um, But for this time, I mean, neither team is in great form right now, are they? Mm. Um, One thing I will say is that Ronaldo absolutely loves playing against Atletico Madrid, that's for sure. Bit of different circumstances this time. I mean, Atletico is so difficult to bet against because whenever they seem like they're finished, somehow Diego Simeone pulls something out of the bag—some sort of awful, very boring, terrible to watch display—that ends up with Atletico going through. Um, and I think that just the pedigree of this Atletico team and Simeone, I think, will just get them to edge Manchester United. It's going to be a close, like you know, two-one aggregate or something like that, though.
0: English English teams have a really tough time against Black Magic. They just don't like it. Yeah, they don't and, like
2: the dark arts.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I'm yeah, Atletico, <laughs> um, Salzburg Bayern, and I'm looking forward to this one because that's a derby. Um, it's a derby for me because I have lots of family in both cities. Um, so that's gonna be really nice, and I'm actually planning to do the Christmas trip that I was supposed to do at home. Um, I've moved to February, so yeah, I'm gonna go to this one. Um, and. I mean, for me, that's an easy pick. It's going to be Bayern Munich. I think when you look at last year, they played each other in the Champions League and it was uh, 3-1 and 6-0, I think, um, top of my head. 6-2, six, 6-2. Two. Six, two. Six, two. I, I remember they scored six in one of them two. Um, and as, I think as great as Salzburg have been, I, I think this is the end of the road for them. Um, so I'm going to go with Bayern. What do you guys think?
4: Um okay. I'm I'm I mean this one I think it's going to be unanimous. Everyone's going to pick Bayern. It's whether Bayern will just kill off the round in the first match, get like a 3-4-0 win and end it. I think it's just going to be two games where Bayern's going to completely run over Salzburg. They'll get lucky if they lose just 2-0 both matches.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I honestly I could see a game like a, a 4-2 and 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 a 5-1 for both legs, something along those lines I don't think it's going to be even close but it's still a very cool achievement for Salzburg to make it this far and who knows maybe they'll 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 prove us wrong but I I don't see uh them slowing down Bayern in my opinion what
0: do you think Adrian
2: uh yeah not much else to add I think that Bayern's got this one in the bag the only thing that could possibly ruin this for Bayern I guess would be like a massive COVID outbreak or something like that which let's hope that doesn't happen to anyone of course but that's the only way that I could see this going in the other direction for
0: Salzburg really well, we can say one thing. Everyone at Bayern is now vaccinated, that's for sure. Um, but that's a different topic for a different day, maybe. You know, the one thing that I might want to add to this is that, of course, Karim Adi um has now chosen Dortmund um, over Bayern Munich. And that's going to be interesting how that's going to play out with so many national team players on each side, right? And um, although a deal is not done yet, you know, Dortmund and Salzburg still have to agree on a transfer fee. Um, Dortmund and Adiyimi have pretty much agreed personal terms so it will be interesting to see how that's going to play out because he's definitely going to finish the season with Salzburg Um, yeah interesting one, it's going to be an interesting match all around, Um, lots of national team players on each side and it's going to be interesting to see who Salzburg is going to lose over the winter as well because there's a few other candidates that could move on But yeah, the next one, um, Benfica against Ajax. And I'm going to go for Ajax here. I think Ajax is going to be one of those teams that are going to be pretty impressive. But I know that Adrian is probably going to pick the other team. What do you think, Adrian? I mean, if we're asking
2: Adrian, the Benfica supporter, he's saying Benfica. If we're asking Adrian, the impartial uh, pseudo-journalist, Person, whatever I am, I don't know. Content creator, I guess. <laughs> 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 then, then, then I'll go with. Uh, I think that IAX is the better team. They're just the well, a well managed team. They have the better manager. They probably have the better squad as well. In fact, I think they do have the better squad as well. And I just. With the way things are going with Benfica recently, I just don't see a way that we make it out of this, especially since, you know, we just lost to Sporting. Here I am doing that nonsensical, well, this team beat that team, so we're better type thing. But Sporting just beat us 3-1 in our own home, and they got destroyed by Ajax on both occasions. So I just can't see how we come out of this alive. Josh,
0: you've seen uh, Ajax quite a bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I got a personal scalding by IX. I feel like they took it personally and Seven uh, one over two legs. Yeah, like it, they're a good team and they've had an incredible group stage. They're they went six zero 0 zero. Like it's it's incredible numbers that they're doing now. It's time when it matters. So I'm I feel like they're still the type of team to to pull to pull up and and pr- perform when push comes to shove. So. For that reason, I'm I'm going to back Ajax, and and I think it will be comfortable—not like a destruction, but like maybe a couple two nothing victories or something like that because they they do look that good this year.
0: What do you think, Filippo?
4: Benfica will advance. That's what I'm going with. I actually oh. think Benfica yes, is going to go through. uh It's very it's a very unpopular opinion, but I think Jorge Jesus will pull this off right here. And the thing with Ajax is what we were talking about. They've been very good, and they have a lot of talented players in this team that we can talk about. Um Antony has been in good form Even though personally when he played in Brazil I didn't rate him very highly Many people didn't rate him very highly in Brazil To be honest when he played for Sao Paulo Gravenberg, well, Sebastian Haller Is pretty much scoring yeah. a lot now at this point But I, I'm going to go with Benfica Advancing for this one Um It's t- definitely an upset I would say But I'm going to go
0: with Benfica Interesting Let's see what happens Um Villarreal against Juventus I'm going to go with the unpopular pick here and I'm going to say Villarreal. I just feel it. I think Who they, said that's unpopular? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that most people would say Juventus, but maybe you guys are all going to prove me wrong, but I'm going to pick Villarreal. Um, but what do you think, Filippo?
4: I'm going with the same pick as you. I think much oh. more better coached. Uh, the team looks more like a team right now, right? Well, Juventus is, yeah. I watch a lot of Juventus follow Weston and uh, it's it's just not the Juve we, we used to know if we go back three, four years ago, uh, before Ronaldo arrived, right? Even before the Ronaldo, even though they were a little bit dominant still in the beginning of the Ronaldo era in, in Italy it's not the Juventus as before and me, many people will pick Juventus just because of the brand, yeah. right? It's Juventus versus Villareal. How could they lose to, Vila, they're going to lose to Villarreal.
0: And Unai Emery has done a really good job there. Um, yeah. So, um So yeah, let's see, maybe it's more popular than I thought, because what do you think, Josh? You,
1: uh, you mentioned uh, Unai Emery and, and I mean, I'm going to go with Juve, so I mean, it's, every point I'm going to make is, is kind of moot, but uh, I mean, Juve has struggled over the last few years, even with Ronaldo in the Champions League. I, I feel like it's just, they're so obsessed with the Champions League at some point, something's got to go. But I definitely don't think they have a good enough team this year to compete. And Villarreal is is a bit of a cup team. I mean, mm. Unai Emery is a cup coach. You've seen his success with Sevilla. You've seen what he was able to do at Villarreal. So it's not just a Sevilla thing. He knows how to get it through in a cup competition. I feel like Villarreal will have every chance to get through Juve. I I don't know why, though. I just think my, my gut's telling me that Juve will find a really gritty way to get it through. But I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people think, similar to how we've been talking about Barcelona this year. It is Juve, but it's not the same Juve they, they once were. And, and if you look at the league table in Serie A, it reflects that.
0: What do you think, Adrian?
2: I'm sorry, Josh, but I'm going to leave you on uh, Juventus Island all alone, stranded. I'm sorry, man. I just, like like you guys were saying, this team under Max Allegri just isn't the same. The squad is worse than it was in previous iterations. They have real issues in scoring goals with Murata and Dybala misfiring all the time. Um, their defense isn't quite perfect. They did recently switch from the 4-4-2 to the 4-2-3-1, and it has been getting better results. For them, um, but I just, I just don't have much belief in this Juve team. And like you guys have sort of said already, Unai Emery has been doing a fantastic job. Their their domestic form has been a little bit weird, but he's starting to sort of get a grasp on that recently. Um, but in the cup competitions, he just has this this magic powder, doesn't he? It's, it's just it's it's unbelievable how far they went. La- well, I mean, they won the Europa League last season against Manchester United in the final, and I think that you know, maybe quarterfinals is their ceiling, but I think they can get through this UV side.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought my pop pick was less popular than it was. Um, sporting Lisbon against Man City. And now I'm going to pick the unpopular one. And I'm going to say sporting. Um, I just know Pep. He's going in the league. His teams have this thing where they're just super consistent. And, you know, you drop a point here or there in, in the league, it doesn't really matter because you can make it up. But it's a sort of, I feel like Amarim has sporting play, the sort of football that City could struggle against. And so I'm going to go with the outside bet here and I'm going to say sporting. And I'm probably going to be massively wrong in the end of the day. But yeah, that's going to be my pick. What do you think, Adrian? How, how wild is this one?
2: Um. I think that you calling it an outside sort of wild card pick is is perfect because it is one of the ones where you could see just based off managerial ability the underdog going through. But I think if I'm being realistic, I think ultimately in the end, I don't know. We always say that when is Pep going to learn about how he you know he takes a big game situation and he makes a bizarre uh, decision. You know, like Gundogan sort of called him out for in the final against uh, Chelsea when he was utilizing him in a different way than he had before. I, I like to think that he won't do that against sporting and that he'll take sporting very seriously given how well coached they are by Ruben Amarim. But uh, I think that City will make it through in the end. Um, but I don't think it's going to be... Some people think that City are going to absolutely trash sporting and I just
0: can't really see that. Yeah, me neither. What do you think, Filippo?
4: Yeah, I don't think it'll be a trashing, but I think Manchester City will pass with some comfort. By, by comfort, I don't mean an easy win, right? I mean, like... A two-goal gap, maybe. Uh, But I have Manchester City going through. I think they've been... uh, You see, Pep Guardiola is capable of doing so. I just don't think he's going to do the overthinking or any of that against Sporting. I don't think that's going to happen. And Josh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with... uh, Unfortunately, not... Not not you, manually This this is your this is your offside pick. There you go.
0: That's my Even offside, that. pick. There's There's no offside pick. I agree. I'm not um, arguing that. <laughs> no, I,
1: I think uh, I think City has what it takes to get by the sporting side, but I agree. I think it'll I think it'll be a couple competitive games, a couple again, maybe a couple two-nothings, a three-one in there, something like that. I just think that this isn't the stumbling block. Um they but we'll have to see because sporting have been pretty good. I got to deal with a sporting loss once again. So I know that, that team can actually absolutely play, but I just still feel like City's got a little bit more in their in the carousel than Sporting does, and we'll move on to the quarterfinals.
0: Hmm, There you have it. That's our picks. Um, Of course, we have to kick all of that with a grain of salt because it's two months from now. A lot can happen in two months, right? Um, Like some leagues will go on a break. The Bundesliga, for example, we have games midweek. Joshua's side is playing third, for example, right? And um, then they have another match day next weekend, and then they're going on a break. Um, until January, which is probably for the best, considering where Germany is at uh, with COVID and everything. Um, whereas England, they're going to play through. So lots of injuries possible. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. Um, lots of things going going to happen and injuries and COVID. And, you know, there's a lot of X factors at the moment. But
3: Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. With the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Um, really briefly, guys, the the Europa League. And I think, of course, Josh, I th- Rangers is an attractive but doable opponent. You must be pretty happy about that one.
1: Yeah, for some reason I tweeted it out and was talking in the live stream. I said, I just have a feeling we're going to draw Rangers. I've, I have no mm-hmm. idea why. Um, I, I keep an eye on Rangers quite a bit because of Scott Arfield, who fellow Canadian who plays over there, and he's got a new little lease on license. Uh, Giovanni Van Bronkhorst has come in there, and And I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fun little uh, fun little matchup. I think that it's going to be a, a test. I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund make it very difficult on themselves, but I, I feel relatively confident and I'm excited because I'm a big fan of the Europa League. Um, I've been trying yeah. to explain it on, on the channel for a while because everyone calls says I have a weak mentality, but I'm like, you know what, let's go out and win the Europa League. But it's it's still a cup competition that that Dortmund haven't won. If the Bundesliga escapes them, then why not? Why not put your eggs in and try to win this? Because they, in my opinion, they should have won it the last time that they were in it when they ended up blowing a big lead against uh, Liverpool, and I had so much fun following this competition. And this is realistically one that... If, if they go all in and, and injuries are on their side, this is one that Erling Haaland and company should have fun and go deep in.
0: Here's my take on this. If the gap miraculously closes to Bayern before the winter break, let's say it goes from, what it is right now, six to, let's say, three or less, they're going to bin this comp- competition, Josh. Because, I- you know, if you have a shot at the Bundesliga title, why would you bother? But... If the gap is still six points, I think they're going to put all X in their basket in this basket, try to win it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a, a good take, and I, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be the next few games are going to be have a real idea of where it's going to be because I mean we've already dropped yeah. points to Bayern, followed by dropping points to Bolkum. So it, it, I think it's going to depend because just like I said in this episode that the Champions League so. Um, coveted by Juve that's the number one thing they want to win the Bundesliga is where the Dortmund fans want to win and, and if you ask just about every single one of them that's probably where they'd prioritize the next trophy that they'd want to get so I absolutely agree if there's a chance that they're sniffing around the title they're gonna they're gonna bomb the Europa League but who knows because the injuries and the form that Dortmund has been it could be a very different point gap it could, could honestly get even worse come come a, a, a month or a bit from the time that we do the round of 32. Filippo I, is ready to jump in. He has a goal.
4: Yeah, I hate to disappoint Josh, but Sevilla is in the Europa League, so you know it's going to happen. It's just uh, I would just focus on Bundesliga if I was Dortmund. We know who's taking the, the Europa League. It's okay, pre program. J- okay, jokes aside, the Europa League is pretty open right now. There's quite a bit... There's Leipzig that now under new management, they have a good enough squad to compete yep. there. Real Sociedad is not a joke as well. Barcelona is always Barcelona. Napoli has been having a great season. Dortmund has a great shot on it. Atalanta is a great team as well. Porto and Lazio. Sevilla is always in, I don't know, Sheriff. Who knows what Sheriff can do?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's. I mean, we have to also point out this is the, um this is this extra round that they have to play, right? Um the teams that won the Europa League groups are already in the round of 16. So they are waiting the winners of this round um, in the next round. So there's some pretty good teams that won their respective groups. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going the Europa League people, you know, at this, this part, like at this stage, the Europa League gets really interesting. And um, of course, Adrian Barcelona against Napoli is going to be the big one to watch in this round. I mean, that's a Champions League tie and everything but the name.
2: Yeah. It is, it is. And and what you were saying about how the Europa League gets really interesting at this stage, I think that if you just compare for entertainment value versus the Champions League, it's pretty much neck and neck. Like there's no difference there. Um, it's similar to how we were saying how the, the playoffs in MLS are almost guaranteed to be exciting. It's a similar thing when you get to this sort of stage of a competition. So absolutely keep an eye on Europa League. And I think that people will, given the quality of the teams, because, you know, you just said it, the, the group winners of the Europa League aren't even listed here in the draw results. So it's it's going to be a, a really exciting competition, and I'm looking forward to it. And I know we won't go too deep into Conference League, but some of the teams that drop down into that competition as well are looking pretty good. So let's see this first sort of uh, three tiered European competition that UEFA has first iteration of it. It's looking like it's going to provide a lot of exciting football this uh, winter and spring.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think we have we have a lot to look forward to in the spring um, when it comes to football. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. Um, the Europa Conference League, of course, um, the brainchild, UEFA's brainchild um, third competition that they came up with. And we can just look take a quick look um, at that draw, if I find the draw. Uh, there it is. Wonderful. I have it. Um, There's a few games that kind of stand out. Of course, we still have to wait. The Tottenham result, right? Um, there's there's a chance that they could still jump down. Uh, Tottenham, Arnhem, we don't know whether they're going to go through. Um, PSV are still in it, who are currently top of the uh, Eredivisie. Fenerbahce are in it. That's an interesting team. Leicester are still in it. So, yeah, I think it will be interesting to see the later stages of this competition and where it's going to go. Yeah, good fun. I mean... Well, s- I, I'm not. I'm still not 100% sure if I like the three stages, uh, but what I do like is that the Europa League seems to be more competitive because some of the teams that would be usually in it are now in the Conference League um, getting a chance to win a title. So, yeah, we'll see. Guys, we have to move on. Um, that's our European section completely wrapped up. Uh, let's talk about the MLS Cup final and... It was a great occasion. Uh, I was a little sad because I was actually had credentials for this game and I was happy planned to go to Portland, drive to Portland, but um, three out of the four people on this podcast are Canadian and we're dealing with a very unpredictable government that (laughs) makes up its minds about the border rules every five minutes and um, depending on which border guard you get you may have to go into quarantine or not, or your arrive can app might crash or not or whatever. And I didn't feel like spending the next two weeks in a quarantine or having to pay $5,000 in fine. So I opted to stay on this side of the border instead. Um, But when I watched the game, I definitely had some FOMO because A, Providence Park is a gorgeous location. It's a beautiful stadium. Um, Some of the best fans, not even in MLS, but in the world, um, what Portland have done is just absolutely fantastic, and the stadium feels a lot bigger than it is. It's hard to believe there's only twenty five thousand people in there. So the occasion was just absolutely fantastic, and Filippo, the way the final played out, with a the last minute equaliser by Filippo by, by Mora, right, by Filippo Mora then the overtime, and then the penalty shootout That's saw New York City FC win their first title, bring the MLS Cup to New York City for the first time, bring a soccer championship to New York for the first time since the Cosmos won it and the old NESL. I think MLS probably hit the jackpot with this final. What do you think?
4: Yeah, uh, it's a way to get... So New York is just a big market in general for anything, for the amount of people there, their money, so... It, It it probably got some new soccer fans in the city and Long Island and in general because people, it got their curiosity at least, right? I I lived in New York for a while. I know how it works there. If you build some hype, people get interested and New York City did that. They they won MLS, which is the ultimate prize in club soccer in America. Now, in terms of the game that you mentioned there, it kind of went as we talked about. I don't remember if we talked in the podcast or outside of the podcast that we thought that at least I thought that New York was going to win. I think you guys did too, or some of you did. And New York actually played better than Portland throughout the game. They should have won in regular time. They had more opportunity, controlled possession. Portland didn't really seem like themselves in this match, at least in my opinion, right? I didn't follow Portland close throughout the season. They did have some injuries as well. While New York was, for the most part, they had most of the players, right? I think Keaton Parks was probably the most notable, notable miss they had in this match. And... Just agreeing with your point, Manuel, I think they won the jackpot with it. I think New York City FC winning it was a big W for MLS. And maybe you can talk about the ratings, right? You mentioned before we started recording Mm. that the ratings were pretty good for this
0: one. Yeah, so I don't have the exact numbers yet, but um, I saw that Jonathan Tannenwald tweeted that um, even though he didn't have the exact numbers yet either, so we have to wait for the actual exact numbers. But what we do know, it's the most watched MLS Cup final since 2011 when the LA Galaxy defended the title um, with David Beckham, right? And that was, of course, a huge draw. David Beckham meant that A lot of people, not a lot of eyeballs were on that game. And I think it was clever for them to have it on ABC as well. Uh, Even though the ESPN had a lot of camera issues throughout the playoffs, actually thought um, there was a lot of technical issues. So that aside, um, it was a little bit weird. Like, Filippo, you you saw that as well, right? It seemed almost like a little bit of a fallback to the early 2000s.
4: So uh, it's been, I'm going to say one thing here, and sorry if anyone works for these companies, but ESPN, ABC, right, which... Same same crap right there. The coverage they've done for MLS is, is embarrassing, to say the least, right? And especially when it went down to the final. So MLS Cup in the United States, it's essentially the Super Bowl of soccer. And before anyone goes ahead and says, no, the Super Bowl of soccer is the Champions League and the World Cup. Yes, I know that from a world level. Yes. But in the United States, this is the biggest soccer game for the clubs, right? Domestically, this is the biggest event. And... ABC was playing um, girls college basketball, which I have no problem with them playing it. My only problem with it is if you're going to put MLS Cup final in the channel, you need to have a pregame. You need to have to start at least a couple, at least thirty minutes to an hour beforehand. And the pregame was even delayed because the game wouldn't end, and it wasn't in any channel, not even on ESPN Plus. To me, all of that was a little bit embarrassing, and it does hurt the sport. I think. I don't know what power MLS has in that sense. I know there's a new TV deal coming up, right, Manuel? I believe early 2022.
0: 20, yeah. being discussed on Don said in this uh, yearly state of the league that, that's being worked on. And but it could be very well ESPN.
4: Would you agree that these issues mentioned, the, the coverage in general, which was just very poorly done, they should be discussed in this deal, not just money amounts, but the promotion of the league itself because... You can't take it seriously when things like this happen, right? Because I have a bit of
0: insight in this because um, not just through MLS, but also Bundesliga was with ESPN. And um, I was very fortunate that when ESPN and Bundesliga negotiated that deal, I was one of the few people that knew that the deal was done way before it was done. Right. And um, there was one of those occasions where I sat on the story for months And because of that, the the Bundesliga actually gave me quite a lot of insight into it. And I was able to actually interview the people that negotiated the deal uh, in a small office at the Signale Duna Stadium, which is a story in itself. um, Flew out last minute from from Seattle to Frankfurt to get the story done. But um, one of the big things that they mentioned at the time when they negotiated is that it wasn't really as much about the money as about exposure. And this is one thing that leagues really look at right now. If Yes, of course, a TV deal is important. They want money. Don't get me wrong. Don't shout at me now like, oh, exposure means nothing. But they need the money. And so, of course, yes, they do. It is first and foremost about money. But they had two equal deals on the table at the time. And they went for the one that they thought gave them more exposure. Right? Um, because ESPN offered to have games on ABC. ESPN offered to uh, produce content about the league. They was even talk about the uh, 30 by 30 documentaries that they would do some of those. And that was a big draw for the Bundesliga. And I think MLS is approaching this very similarly that they're saying like, okay, which company doesn't only offer us a good deal, right? Financially, which is yes, very important, but they also exposure. How can we guarantee that the biggest game of the season, doesn't just get put on last minute on ABC and you, fans are looking for various channels to get the pre-game, the main match, the post-game, you know, flipping around. And this is something I think that they massively want to avoid and they also want to avoid um, clubs working on their own regional deals, right? They They want to more centralize it like they do in the European leagues and I think... Those are two of the things that they're looking at. And it could be in the end of the day, it could be ESPN, Filippo. I, I have no insight in that. And I think the only person who really knows is Don Garber and the uh, 27, soon 28 or 29 owners of the of the league, right? And um, it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with that in terms of, exp- I think the number one thing is that they need to look for is, yes, they need more money. They need a deal that's similarly structured to the NHL because that's the league that they're competing with right now, Right and um at least in america they're never going to get the sort of money the nhl gets in canada but at least in the us and um i think getting eyeballs on it is going to be important but i think new york city winning is probably not a bad thing what do you think yeah i'd
4: like to hear the opinion of josh and adrian as well but absolutely it's a good thing right it brings in a market that 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 there has a lot of potential to grow essentially now Is it the biggest market for soccer in the U.S.? Absolutely not. But the room and the potential is there for New York City. So I think they won, and that will probably help MLS in those negotiations, which, as you mentioned, they're probably still happening. The deal is not closed yet.
0: No, absolutely not. But let's talk about the final. Josh, it seemed like for a moment, a miracle on Morrison Morrison Street was possible with that last-minute equalizer. Um, I think we all kind of thought... New York city was probably going to be definitely the better team, maybe not the favorite, but the better team. Uh, what did you make of the final? It was pretty dramatic, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a, a good final. I was at my, uh, my girlfriend's uh, house with her family um, who, who is like relatively in, into soccer. And uh, when the final was on, all of them were sitting around the couch tuning in. It was, it was pretty nice, but I, I personally thought that New York deserved to win. I thought they were the best team pretty much from the off had, had a couple good chances, obviously got the goal to put them ahead. Kind of seemed like they weren't able to kill the game at the end, getting a little nerve-wracking considering this this was going to be their first title ever. And then um, and then when that goal came in at the end, I I, I thought that was going to be a turning point. I thought experience of Portland, because remember, uh, Manuel, you and I picked Portland, and I just thought that that the experience towards the end, going through extra time, I just had a feeling that New York blew it, but they were able to hold on, got it to a penalty shootout, which was an exciting one, and, and put it away. And... And it was pretty cool. And I mean, going back to to your guys' point just before that, I, I remember hearing some stories about the Red Bulls taking on uh, New York City this year, and and the fan attendance being atrocious. But I mean, I got goosebumps seeing some of the uh, some of the um, little views of some of the fans around New York or wherever they were watching from, and the celebrations when when they wanted it. it was it was pretty cool. And and I think it was it's fantastic for a, a New York sports market like this to finally. Get it, and maybe there were some bandwagoners, but fine, that's that's good. That's all a part of making this sport grow in, in both of the US and Canada. And if you want to jump in when the times are good, that's fine. But hopefully, it, it drew, drew you in enough so that you'll stay because it truly was a good final. And it's the reason MLS Cup is, is such a awesome thing to experience.
0: Yeah, I think Josh, um, there's definitely was a lot of bandwagon fans, but that's kind of New York, isn't it? I mean, it was a similar story with the Cosmos, so I guess we just kind of hope that they jump on and stay, you know, like any, it's, it's always really hard. It's they say the easiest thing is to gain new customers. That's hard. The hardest part is to keep them. So I I hope that the fans that come out and I mean, the big one now is that New York needs a soccer specific stadium in New York, not in Jersey uh, where Red Bull play, but in New York proper, I think that's going to be a big part of it. But when we look to next season, Adrian, um what do you think is going what what impact do you think is going to have the, the new york victory going to have and when we talk about the tv deal which is also going to impact us on this side of the border what is your expectations with all this
2: um well i mean with new york in particular just this league is built for parity right and that's p-a-r-i-t-y not parody as in the comical sense <laughs> just for the people listening. Um, so it's, it's built so that the, it's always very, very even. And you saw that in the playoffs. So many games were just one goal games. So many games went to extra time, shootouts, etc. cetera. Um, so for New York to be able to repeat this, I don't know if that will happen. I mean, their, their journey throughout all of this has been great. They took the DP route and getting guys like Pirlo and Lampard. I think that was mostly just to sort of build the hype around the team within the city. Um, and now they're taking more of a sporting approach and trying to build, you know, a more well-rounded team and it worked on their 7th attempt at it and which is not very long by any means 7 seasons to win a championship is not too bad at all so um as far as the TV deal i i don't know much about it within canada but um yeah i know that it's ultimately the most difficult thing for these leagues i can i can take just sort of as a as a little story from the side that I was speaking to someone from La Liga who is in charge of growing the league within North America. And they said that the most difficult part of it was competing with the Premier League, who has all the best TV deals and just getting that exposure is incredibly difficult. So like, like Filippo was saying, as far as, you know, building up hype around games, the pre-match, the post-match, et cetera, building just like a culture around it where people are analytical and they they want more is going to be really difficult. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's always going to be difficult in a North America where it's not the number one. Um, it's not the number one sport, at least when it comes to coverage because it is growing and it almost has like this underground feeling to it, doesn't it? In a sense.
0: Mm. It is now the fourth most spot watch sport in America. But that includes, of course, all the European leagues and uh, it's surpassed hockey, which a lot of Canadian listeners will be like, oh, oh, no, it's going to happen here as well. So get used to it. Um, it's only 8% points behind baseball. So baseball fans, watch out. It's coming for you next. Um, and then it's going to be right behind the NBA and American football, which I think is always going to trump everything in, in the U.S. at least. So it's an interesting development. I think MLS... Um, because MLS is just one part of that story, right? It's not that they're the the sole benefitter. There's a lot of other leagues involved in this as well. But I think MLS, when they look at this and see the growth of the sport, they have to think about long and hard, how they're going to be able to benefit from it. And I think we saw a lot of it in the playoffs, which is something that is unique to them. Parody is another thing that is unique to them. We talked about ahead of the show about how a lot of European leagues are already decided Unless you don't know the title winner until the last day of the season. Um, and that's guaranteed. Although that's not always fair, it makes for a good product. And I think they did a good job also having the final 12 o'clock P- PST because that meant that, um, you know, the game was available for European viewers. And I think there's a lot of things that they kind of need to look at and say, okay, how are we going to be able to benefit from the fact that soccer is the fastest growing sport on this continent? and that it is developing into that kind of direction. I think that is something that they need to look at and benefit from. And maybe, you know, like, because unfortunately we're out of time and there's a few more topics that I had on there, but that is something that we can maybe discuss on Friday. And we want to discuss some MLS transfers as well. Uh, Philippo and I have something to settle too. So we'll have to move that to Friday. But yeah, guys. little little debate fight. You know, but you know, it's a good debate and on so many levels. So I want to have it. It's just, I know that um, we're out of time, but We're going to discuss it because we have transfers to discuss and we have maybe this, maybe we know a little bit more about the direction the league is going. I think we should maybe move that to Friday. So to be continued, guys, to be continued. So please tune in for the next episode because we're going to continue this discussion. But until then, I wish everyone a good week, wherever you're listening and thanks for listening. And until next time, cheers and bye-bye.